When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, hope you had a great weekend. I'm Jim Salverson and this is Football Social Daily, the daily Premier League podcast that gets you up to date with all the latest top fight news with a new show every single day. If you've already listened to our review podcast from last night, you'll know that we didn't talk about the six-goal game at Leicester City, an impressive display from the Foxes. So should we be talking about them as potential title challengers? We'll talk about that very shortly. We're also going to look ahead to a new look Aston Villa team who are going to look to get their season underway in a better manner than last season as they take on Sheffield United and Manchester City who are already having their season written off as it being a transition season. They're going to start off their campaign tonight with a tough test against Wolves. We'll talk about that shortly as well. Plus, we're going to go off to Selhurst Park for today's Floodlight Focus as we get some intel on life at Crystal Palace right now. Here to help me do all that, there's Matt Pidd. How you doing, Matt? All right, Jim. And we've got Marley Anderson. How do you, Marley? Hello, Jim. Let's kick off today's podcast because it's a new season. A new opportunity to tell us what you think of the Football Social Daily podcast with a review that has been left via the various podcast platforms out there. And you can leave your reviews via CastBox or Acast or Stitcher or iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's review comes from Meg. You'll be pleased to hear, boys. She's dropped a casually dropped us a five star review. Nice. Always good to hear. Uh, It's titled Came for the Tips, Stayed for the Banter which I quite like (laughs) because absolutely love the show. I don't support a team, but started listening to the podcast in the hope I'd pick up some tips to win my office fantasy football league. And if you listen to Thursday shows, you can always get some fantasy football advice, by the way. My favourite recurring segment is Marley hating on Burnley. (laughs) Not quite sure I understand it, but it makes me laugh every time. So keep up the great content, guys. So thank you very much, Meg, for that. And Marley, keep up your hate campaign against Burnley. Meg, if there's one thing... Thing that I can always promise you it's always I'm going to have a go at Burnley every time until Sean Dyche leaves that's it 
There'll be plenty of opportunity to do that very soon. We'll get on to the Leicester City game in just a second. And finally, nice to get some praise for the M-Dog. So thanks for your feedback. If you're a new listener or an old listener that's not yet shared your opinion on the podcast, jump on board the review train and let us know what you think. You'll probably get a shout out on the podcast as well and I promise never to do that again. Uh, was that, was the that a real train there? That was a real train. <laughs> Genuine it? train, it? yeah. Just came through the studio. Jim's uh, broadcasting next to a railway station <laughs> by the sound of it. Right, let's move on quickly uh, because last night we missed the game off the review podcast because it was later than we recorded the show so we're going to cover it off now because the kickoff times are crazy at the moment they're not putting more than two games on at once so they're spread right right the way through the day it's really winding my wife up the amount I'm watching football because I'm like there's another game on I just need to, it's work I need to sit down and watch this uh, so it was <laughs> yeah. Leicester City versus Burnley yesterday it was 4-2 to the hosts great result for Leicester and Right, here's my first question should we be thinking of Leicester City as title contenders because Brendan Rodgers came out after the game and said, no, we're not We're not in the mix. We're not going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. But you look at Liverpool, look fallible. They conceded three goals at Leeds last weekend. Chelsea looked beatable against Liverpool yesterday. City are without Sergio Aguero, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But there's no reason why Leicester can't compete for the title, is there, Marley? Uh, yeah, there is a reason why um, we, we shouldn't consider them as title challenges is probably because they're not really good enough are they let's be honest they've won both the games so far but so have crystal palace and <laughs> let's and we're not saying oh crystal palace might win the league lads it's just it's a good start and leicester are a good team um but because of what happened in 2016 i think people are always going to be like oh, could it happen again and then all the all the bottom half teams like you know, your Southamptons, your, your Newcastles, your Burnleys, they're always going to be like, oh, can we have a season like what Leicester did? And it mm. was a 5,000 to one shot. And that means that if you had 5,000 Premier League seasons, it would happen once. So the this kind of thing, it'll always follow Leicester. Like, can we do it again? Because we've done it before. So can we do it again? Um, I just but don't they're a better they're... team now than they were when they won the Premier League. On paper, you'd say so. Well, no, they're not, are they? I think so. How, what what makes you say that though? Because the it doesn't matter whether you're you're a better team man for man when the the Premier League is so much better that it eclipses that. So even though like Jamie Vardy is still as good as he was, you might say Soyuncu is better than Wes Morgan, for example, or um, Pereira is better than whoever they had at right back that year. It's still not. Something that you could say, oh, they're going to go and win the title. I think it's it's daft. And then when you look at Liverpool and and Man City, um, mm. the the players they've signed, the the way they play, and you look at what Leicester did last season, they were insane up until Christmas. They were absolutely mm. brilliant. They were second in the Premier League. Looked like actually the only ones that could get close to Liverpool, even though they weren't really close to Liverpool. They were sort of the best of the rest. And then after season, it was an absolute after Christmas. Sorry, it was an absolute car crash. So. The the proof's going to be in the, in the long run for Leicester, but obviously they've made a good start. They are a good team. They're good enough to get into the top seven. But to to be talking about you know the title challenge after two games is is ridiculous. I think no one would be talking about the title challenge if I'm honest, unless Brendan Rodgers had brought it up in his post match interview. Said nobody talk about it. Don't talk about the title challenge. <laughs> Instantly meaning people start talking about it. I mean, Matt, I think 
the Premier League title is going to be a stretch. There's always an outside chance, but as Marley says, it's a big outside chance. But there'll be a few Leicester City fans that look at it and potentially are hopeful of a top four in Champions League football now. Well, I think after the season they had last season, they they definitely overachieved for me. They had a great start and um, obviously after the the close season and when we project restarted came up, they, they, they fell off and I think it's a consistency thing with Leicester. I don't think they've got the squad depth to even to even go near a Premier League title. I think the aim for their fans this season, realistically, would be a um, a top seven finish or top eight finish. Mm. They've made some decent signings. I, I like uh, Timothy Castagna. I watched him a few times for Atalanta last season. Um, he's definitely, well, obviously scored two and two for them now. He's going to add some firepower for them and a lot of work rate down that right-hand side. And obviously, they're the first 11s solid but if they pick up a few injuries throughout the season you know that's going to have a detrimental effect on on them and maybe that top seven or eight might might fall away for them but I think it's just going to be one of them they're just going to have to take it one game at a time and then just see where they end up around Christmas time I think we'll get a realistic look as to where Leicester will be at the end at the end of the season I thought last night they looked like they won that game at a canter it seemed mm. like they had a few more gears to go in. I mean, you watched the goals that they scored. And I know Burnley scored a couple of typical Burnley goals in the mix there as well. But the four goals that Leicester City scored, it showed, it was like a training session. They were all kind of virtually tap-ins after a bit of intricate work just outside the area. I mean, does that, the fact that Burnley couldn't defend this football or the fact that Leicester City were putting together these intricate m- moves, does it bode well for Leicester City or does it just bode badly for Burnley? Uh, I think it's a bit of both to be honest, I think it's good for, if you look at last night's game Leicester, it's always hardest in the, the hardest team to play against are the ones that are very rigid and not very um, sort of adventurous you know, the the kind of two banks are for, yeah come on then, break us down because we're going to sit deep and, and try and frustrate you, uh, and especially when, when Burnley went 1-0 up, that's a, that's a sort of sign of that of that problem that Leicester are going to have because they're not going to become many more expansive. They're not going to go for a second goal. They're going to try and uh, hold off and and get goals from set pieces and corners and things like that. So it was good for Leicester to to find a solution to get through Burnley, um, especially four times as well, is uh, is a massive boost for them. Um, But it's a similar thing with Burnley. It's a similar, it's a problem because they know they play that way every week and when burnley play teams that can really play you you know your your man cities your liverpools your leicesters your wolves kind of possession based teams they struggle a bit more if you try and play them against at mm-hmm. their own game you're going to get beat so if you're going to try and go physical with them uh, you're going to get beat so you have to be good enough to play around them and to to play intricate football and press high and things like that and pin them pin them back and don't let them hoof it up towards wooden vidra or, or whoever's up there because that's where they're going to get you in trouble and that's what that's what Burnley do to every team or, or try to um, and when it worked against um, Leicester after 10 minutes or something when Chris Wood bullied um, James Justin for that first goal which is a fantastically well taken goal um, it's kind of like right well you've you've almost looking like you're doing a little bit more now you you've got the lead what can you do with it but Leicester had enough to break them down and that'll give them massive confidence because there aren't many teams better defensively than Burnley um, last season I think they conceded 
I'm not sure. I think it was like the top five least conceded goals kind of thing, if that makes sense. Um, Mm. And yeah, they were missing a couple of centre-backs, but you can only beat what's in front of you. So to break them down four times is a massive boost for Leicester. Here's your opportunity to have a bit of a go at Burnley, Marley, as promised. Do you worry (laughs) for them this season? They've lost a couple of key players they might not be quite the team they're not recruited they've got a really threadbare squad it was you saw last night I think they had several academy players on the bench and Sean Dyche has been very public about the fact he doesn't think he's got enough players in his squad right now are they going to be one of the teams that are spending the entire season glancing over their shoulders uh I I think they'll be obviously they'll finish in the bottom half I think (laughs) um but I, I can't ever see them going down because I've I think if you look at Burnley's squad at any point over the past five years, I think you look at that squad and go, that's that's not a very good squad. Who's in there that you that would get into a top eight team or a, a top uh, four team? And other than Tarkowski and Pope in the last couple of years, they've never really had players like that. So you always look at them and, and think they could be in trouble this year. But the way they play gets at least 40 points a season like it's a horrific way of playing football to watch to watch <laughs> them you know what I mean like that that physical style it's horrible to watch is but is it Brexit football you call it Marley it could well be um it could <laughs> well be <laughs> so but as much as I hate it it works to an to an extent it works against the teams that as I said before aren't good enough to pass around them it works against your West Ham's, your Newcastle's, we're not good enough to play football around them, so we struggle against them, and so do the bottom sides. Um, mm. You know, your your Fulham's and things like that. They'll they'll struggle against teams like Burnley. And I've I've been burnt too many times in the past by saying, "Oh, Burnley are rubbish. They're going to go down." Um, when they just have that way of of just grinding out results, and I know it, still they've not been backed in the in the transfer window which would be a massive issue for most um for, for pretty much all premier league teams and it is an issue for burnley but with the way they play and if they if they can have not many injuries this season they'll do what they did last season and possibly a little bit worse but all of a sudden if they, if they saw Tarkowski and pope then then they're knackered but other than other than that i think they'll they'll be all right with the way they play they've got what they need and they'll just carry on plugging away what about the other dugout then, Matt? Because Brendan Rodgers, he's often a bit of a figure of fun, I guess. Like, I think it's largely due to his David Brent-esque quotes. Yeah. Things like, I believe a young player will run through a barbed wire fence for you, an older player will look for a hole in that fence. So he doesn't do himself any favours in that respect. But from a footballing respect, he is now the latest manager to get to 100 Premier League wins. And he is the only other British bosses to have done that faster are Alex Ferguson, Kenny Dalglish and Kevin Keegan. 100 Premier League wins in 210 games. Does he get the credit he deserves? Um, no, not really. He's keeping some some really good company there with the names that you've just mentioned. And, um, you know, they, they, they poke a lot of fun at him, like when um, they say, oh, his teams play with a lot of character and stuff like that. Yeah. They do play with character. He, he, he plays a decent brand of football, Brendan Rodgers. When he came up with um, with Swansea, not many people gave him much of a chance and then he sort of started to become recognised as this this manager that, that plays a certain style of football, a very attacking brand of football. Not so much on the defensive side, but then he, he went to Liverpool and he, at that time, took them to within, you know, an inch of the Premier League title. Obviously, they fell apart in the last couple of games. And I think after, after that, 
people started taking him a little bit more seriously because they could actually see that he, he could handle that sort of pressure of being up there in the top two. And last season with Leicester as well, they did overachieve. And the way they played the football, they scored nine against Southampton and obviously not a lot of teams have done that in the Premier League. And when he's got the players that he's got, he's getting the best out of them. You can see he's a good man manager. He gets mm. he gets the best out of his players. He's got, he's got Jamie Vardy playing better than what he did under Claudio Ranieri. And for Leicester fans, Claudio Ranieri is like the messiah. But what we was touching on earlier was, are Leicester not better now than under that season under Ranieri? And obviously, it was a freak season for me especially. I'd say so. A freak season. They played mm. a lot of counter-attacking football. Leicester. They did ride the luck a lot of the time. But if you think about where they are now, I think a lot of Leicester fans would have expected after the Ranieri season things to go downhill pretty lap- rapid with um, like Claude Puel and stuff like that. The football's better now, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's absolutely, Jim. Leicester playing better football. Absolutely, mate. That's what, that's what I'm saying about Brendan Rodgers' style of football. He, he, he has brought that attractive style of football to Leicester. And with a few more decent signings, and obviously, if he he builds his squad squad depth a bit more, he can take Leicester to that that next level, as it were. This finished was it fifth last season or sixth? I think mm. it was sixth because Tottenham finished fifth. I think um, they finished in the top six. No one would have given that at the start of the season. No one would have given that. So it is an overachieving season. They they might have felt a bit you know hard done by considering the start he made, and he was in the top four for the vast majority of the campaign. I think this season. I think if if you ask any le- realistically thinking Leicester fan, they they will they will be happy with a um, a top eight finish and a decent run in Europe because they've got that as well to think about this season. Which is why I think they will make one or two more signings before the uh, the window is out. If they have a decent run in the Europa League, and obviously there's other cup competitions they can go for as well. If they have a decent run in that, then there's there's no reason why Brendan Rodgers shouldn't be taken a little bit more seriously as a manager. Well, they've certainly made the right start. Currently sitting top of the Premier League, having scored seven goals in two games. It's looking decent for Leicester City at the moment. Two teams that are yet to make their Premier League starts are in action tonight. Aston Villa, they're playing Sheffield United and Manchester City. They take on Wolves and we'll look ahead to those games next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at the Sports Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Two games tonight to take a look at Aston Villa versus Sheffield United, Manchester City, your team, Matt taking on Wolves. So we're going to start with the first of those, the early kickoff, which is Aston Villa versus Sheffield United. And Aston Villa, they're one of the teams that when we did our predictions a couple of weeks ago, I wrote off. I thought they'd be one of the relegated teams. I imagine Jack Grealish leaving. They didn't look like they were going to strengthen. Since then, Grealish has signed a new contract. Ollie Watkins has come in from Brentford. Martinez has signed from Arsenal, which I think is a great bit of business. They're giving themselves every chance here, Marley. Yeah, they have. Um, I'm I'm similar to you. I, I, I'd wrote them off, I think... Um, at, before the season started and before they got these two lads in in the last few weeks, I think they were my pick to go down with with Fulham and, Fulham and West Brom. Um, looking at, at what they've done in the market, I do really like what they've done. I think Martinez showed last season that he's a very, very good goalkeeper. Um, Watkins has 
comes with a massive fee, but forgetting about that, he's a good player. Um, so I think that might sort out the goals. Um, I still think they need more. I still think they'll be in trouble. Um, I don't know whether they'll go down, obviously, but um, I still think they'll be down there. Matty Cash is a good signing as well. Yeah, but is he the, like he's a right back though? Do you know what I mean? Like he's not. He, How much difference is yeah, he going to make? I don't. Is that yes? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like nobody's ever signed a right back and gone. Well, they they, you know, they're brilliant now. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, like my grand could replace Ahmed El Mahamedi at the back. Like she, he's he's ancient, he's slow. So I look, Matty Cash is a, is a fine player, but is he gonna score score your goals to get you up the league? No. Is he gonna concede them at the back? Is he gonna completely shore up that defence? You can't, you don't really do that as a right back. So as much as he's a good signing, I still think they've got issues. Um, at the back with, I think Mings is okay, but whoever plays alongside him is vulnerable. I think the left back's poor, um, if, whether it's Target or Taylor. Um, so I still think they've got a lot of issues, but I think they're a, they're a lot stronger than they were last season. And the the sort of issue for them is, can they find a way to play without involving Jack Grealish in absolutely everything? Because then they'll become more unpredictable. Mm. And I think the players have been linked with as well. I think they're close to getting Bertrand Traore from, from Leon. And he'll be he'll yeah. be a good player, I think, for them. I think he'll be. I think they've signed him actually. You know, Marley. Have they, have, have they announced that? Well, yeah, yeah, sixteen. I think it's a sixteen million. Well, there you go. Then. I mean, he's he's another good player. So, th- I think the business they're doing is good, and you can't really do, you can't really ask for much more than that. Um, other than you know, you can't ask for guaranteed safety, and you can't ask for anything more than having a good window and, and being happy with what you've got. So, I think. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how they gel and how they they sort of uh, come together and see if they can get a bit more of a a threatening playing style because last season it was too predictable. This season they need to be a little bit uh, have a few more strings to the bow. But we'll see if they can do that tonight against uh, Sheffield United. It'll be a little bit stinging from their uh, their opening day, pretty much hammering it at the mm. hands of Wolves. Really disappointing result that Wolves game, particularly the two early goals that just knocked the stuffing out of Sheffield United, but. They didn't look like the same team as they were last season. And I do wonder, Matt, whether a couple of bad results for Sheffield United, a couple of dodgy games, and I wonder whether that confidence that they had all through last season might ebb away a little bit. Chris Wilder's um, team last season, they didn't concede a lot of goals, but they also didn't score a lot of goals. Now, if they start getting into the habit of not scoring a lot of goals and conceding goals, then that's when they're going to start getting into a little bit of trouble because then they're playing catch-up and the more results like that they get, the less confidence the squad's going to have and they're going to go into games and they're going to go into games not looking to win games. They're going to be looking to go into games not to get beat. And they had, um, they had that style of foot play last season where they had the overlapping centre-halves and obviously it was a new thing for Premier League teams but I'm just wondering now, because they've had that one season, have teams sort of figured them out a little bit now they've had that one season and they've had a couple of games against them just to um, to get um, a grasp of the way they play are teams going to set up in a certain way now, now to, um, to nullify the way they play that style of football and if the strikers aren't getting a service at the other end they, they, they could very well struggle and if by Christmas, let's say, there are a few points adrift of um, of mid-table and I mean, that sort of like relegation... Um, free for 16th, all. Yeah, free for all. Yeah, 16th, 15th place. Yeah. 
they could very well get dragged into that. And there's that thing as well called second season syndrome, where teams that have come up the first season, they've had a fantastic season, they've played well, they've, everything's all sunshine and rainbows, and then all of a sudden the next season comes and reality sort of slaps them in the face. I like Sheffield United, I love Chris Wilder, I think he's he's an absolutely fantastic manager. Obviously local lad, Sheffield lad, it's, it's always nice to see, you know, managers, fans of the club that they're managing, you know, like um, like Dean Smith at Villa as well. I hope Sheffield United don't go down this season. I do like the way they play the football. It's different to anything that I've seen in the Premier League. But with the fixtures that they've got in the um, the early the early start of the season, if they lose if they lose them games, then there's no reason to not to suggest that they could go could go down. They could do very well. We're yet to see the new signings in the Premier League. They played against Burnley in the Carabao Cup, which they eventually lost on penalties. But Chris Wilder was speaking very positively about the new signings. So you've got Max Lowe to come in, Jaden Bogle, uh, Ethan Ampadu, uh, Wes Forendham, Ollie Burke. So there are new faces to come into that Sheffield United team that could make a difference. It's nothing of note though, is it really? Yeah, I, I agree with, with Matt there. I don't think, you know, Bogle and... Um... And low, they're good players, but they're second choice wing backs, so they're going to be on the mm. bench most of the time. They are decent; they're good for squad depth. But you know, Stevens and Baldock start over them most weeks. I think same with Ampardu from uh, on loan from Chelsea. I think he doesn't get into the team if everyone's fit. I think Egan O'Connell and Basham pick themselves pretty much every week. Um, other than that, Fodderingham, he's a goalkeeper. They spent twenty million on Ramsdale, so. He's yeah. going to be in goal every week. Um, I think maybe if they get another striker, as we say, every time we talk about Sheffield United, we talk about the lack of goals. They need another striker. Um, they've been linked with uh, Rian Brewster from, from Liverpool. Mm. I think that's that's as good a chance as any. I think he scored 16, 17 goals in the Championship last season. Um, if you can get him in for 20 million quid and give him you know a crack at the Premier League, I don't think he's going to score any less than five or six that Moussa got last season, for example. So I think he's worth worth a go, but worth a bit of a gamble. Um, so it's it's one of them where you look at the squad and you say, you say the same things you do last season. You say the same thing as, as what Matt said before. If they start conceding goals, then you start worrying about them because they haven't got... Uh, they've. They haven't got Henderson any, anymore. I think that's that's going to be a big loss because they've had him in, in the team for two years um, and they're not quite used to Ramsdale yet. But yeah, he's a good goalkeeper. But, you know, it, it takes a little bit of uh, a bit of unsettled, unsettles the defence a little bit. But it is what it is with Sheffield United. They need goals and they need him quickly because like, I still think they're a good enough side to stay up. They've, they've shown in the last season that they've they can give anyone a bloody nose on the day. So it's um it's one of them things where you've just got to add add enough to, to stave off that second season syndrome for me. Thirteen games unbeaten at home to Sheffield United for Aston Villa, but obviously they've not got a goal line technology to help them out <laughs> this time. Probably they're gonna whoever's operating the goal line technology is gonna be on it in this game. There'll be no looking away, no naps or anything like that. Uh, what's the you just you just know, don't you, that they're gonna do about eighteen tests on that. Just is it definitely on? <laughs> right? Is it definitely yeah. on today? Because we can't do that again. Just to make sure. Cool. Yeah, just give it one more go. Yeah, just chuck the ball in the net, see if it goes off. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are our, what's our prediction for tonight? Who's going to come out on top, Matt? I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Marley? 
Fence sitter is Matt. Um, do you know what? Right, what I've noticed this this weekend is the teams that are, that didn't play last week, they've all they've all lost so far. So you've got Burnley didn't play last week, and it was their first game against Leicester. They started well and ran out of gas. Man United looked completely tired, completely out on their feet against Crystal Palace, who had more energy. And I think that first game of the season is where you can see the difference massively. So I'm going to go for Sheffield United mm. tonight to beat Villa. Um, and I actually wouldn't be surprised on the same same basis to see Wolves turn over Man City because it's Man City's first game of the season and it's Wolves' second. And I think that first 90 minutes mm. is absolutely huge. So tonight I'm going for um, Villa to lose at home to Sheffield United. I don't know the score though. I was going to say, go on, Marley, tell us the score. Go on, give us a prediction. Uh, two, right, two one. Two one. All right. Well, let's talk. I think there's. I think it's going to be nil nil, just purely because there were so many goals this week in uh, over the weekend. Everyone, they surely have run out. There can't be any left, so it's going to be two nil nils tonight. Uh, Manchester City versus. Say, do you know Wolves. what's funny about the weekend stuff is that every team scored, and then you got to you got to Newcastle on Sunday, and we didn't manage a shot on target. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> Everyone else, Adam, for you. Right, Manchester City versus Wolves. That's the other game that's going to be happening tonight. Manchester City getting off their season against a tricky Wolverhampton team who won their opening match, as we mentioned earlier, against Sheffield United. The big talking point, Matt, is the absence of Sergio Aguero. He was out at the tail end of last season. He's going to be out for another two months. Can City cope? Can you mount a title challenge without him? I seem to be having this exact same discussion at the beginning of every season for us. I'm sure we had the same discussion with you at the start of last season. <laughs> we had no Aguero at the start of last season and I had the same discussion. Um, can we cope without him? Oh God. I mean, we don't struggle for goals, let's be real. But as a centre forward, there's, there's no one better than Sergio Aguero. You can't replace Sergio Aguero. You can't replicate Sergio Aguero. Gabriel Jesus, he's, his goal record speaks for itself, but he's not that type of player he likes to come off from the left-hand side, does gabs. Right? And he's not got the same predatory instincts as Aguero. He won't attack that near post as much. He'll, he'll, he'll sort of linger around the 18-yard box a little bit, but he likes to do his stuff on the edge of the box and play little one-twos and stuff like that. Aguero's just got that, that predatory instinct that you just cannot replace. And whenever he's not in the side, obviously we're, we've got an embarrassment of, of you know squad depth and stuff like that. But without him in the side, I don't know. I just have this really bad feeling going into any game without him because he's one of them players that can just pull something out of the hat and win you a game and without especially going to, to Wolves who look absolutely brilliant so far I know they've just lost Jota but obviously they've still got a, a decent squad and Raul Jimenez firing on all cylinders and with us not going for um, a big name centre half obviously Aki might have something to say about that but there's still a few mm. Twitter City fans as I call them they do me head in they make me want to stay off the platform altogether but when they're moaning <laughs> that we're not spending you know stupid amounts of money on Kuda Ballet and stuff like that it's just give the give the guy a chance I'm going to give Aki a chance if he starts tonight I don't know if Laporte's playing but if he starts tonight with um, Laporte's injured yeah. I think Laporte's isolating yeah, self-isolating yeah. at the so moment. you've got Otamendi Oh God, Otamendi. Where do I go with him? He had a great season, seventeen, eighteen, but he's just—he's so rash in his tackling, and he's—he's he's a liability. He's a penalty or free kick waiting to happen. And I was reading last night we're um, trying to sign uh, Jules Kunde from from Sevilla mm. for fifty million. So it looks like the Kudabale thing's cooled off now. 
We don't. I don't know anything about this guy personally. Um, Fifty That's, million. It's such a weird one that. Oh, it's, I don't know where it's Kunde. come from. It's come if you if you look at what 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 city you've got at the back, they need they need like height and pace. Yeah. Like Kunde's quick, but he's small. He's like five foot eleven. Yeah. So. Like strikers are gonna fancy him in the air. It's it's such a strange rumor for me. I think that amount of money is a huge amount on someone like him. Of course it is, and. I don't believe everything I read on social media. I don't tend to believe anything until I see in that um, that yellow bar at the bottom of Sky Sports News and I see a player holding a shirt up and stuff like that, or signing a contract. But if we if we do go into the season without signing a major centre half, as what people call it, a major name, then you know it is what it is. I'm not going to moan as a City fan. I've seen us come through far worse than this. All I ask this season is we we make a better fist of the title challenge. We don't finish 18 points behind Liverpool. And we are a bit more solid at the back because last season we conceded far too many goals. We give far too many stupid goals away. And two of those games were against Wolves where we just got caught napping. And the way Wolves have started the season, they are going to give us a tough game tonight. We are going to struggle in places. We are going to have to work. But we do have a decent attack, as some people are forgetting. And we are capable of scoring a lot of goals if we have... Obviously, we've got um, we've got Torres, who I hope to see start tonight. I don't think he will. I think he'll he'll go with Mares instead, and possibly um, Bernardo or Jesus on the left. We'll see. Um, but what I don't want to see tonight is um, Rodri and Gundogan in the same midfield. I really don't want to see that against Leon. Mm. We set up to play against Leon rather than. Um, you know, just focusing ourselves. We was looking at the way they played rather than the way we played. We're too slow with Gundogan and, and Rodri. There's not enough mobility in there. If Fernandinho starts in the um, the CDM position, then great. And we have either, obviously, De Bruyne and um, either Foden sat there. I'd like to see Foden start. I'd like to see a little bit of faith paid in him from Pep Guardiola because, obviously, with what happened with with England, he's obviously going to need a little bit of an arm around him, you know, and a little bit of love from the manager. And I think if he gets a start tonight, he, he, he can do well. It's going to be an expansive game of football. I don't think... I think there's goals. There's going to be goals tonight. I don't think there's going to be a nil-nil tonight with this one. Um, obviously, I just hope we score more goals than Wolves on the night. I mean, you talk about Sergio Aguero being irreplaceable, but what I'm surprised about Marley is that there isn't an attempt to replace him. And you, you, you see... City making, they've clearly highlighted the defence as an issue and they've clearly gone, that was a weakness last season and we need to address that and I think Ake is a good addition um, and it looks like they're going to make further moves in that area. But Sergio Aguero's glass legs, for want of a better phrase, have been an issue for seasons. Why hasn't Guardiola gone into the market to try and find that replacement, Marley? Uh, I think it's it's hard because... To, to guarantee goals and guarantee a sort of replacement for Aguero is going to cost you a, a lot of money. And I know that isn't an issue with, with Man City because they've got the money. Um, but for me, it's like, you know, you need you need at least three strikers. If, if you're going to play one centre forward, which Man City do, you, you're going to need three of them mm. in your squad. And they've only ever really had two. They've only had Jesus and Aguero. And that's... That's kind of understandable because they're both, you know, they're both really, really good. But the I think the issue for them is Aguero is coming to the end of his career. Well, so towards the end of his career, so he's he's past thirty. So 
at the other end, you've got Jesus. So you can't go and sign another young striker because you're going to affect uh, Gabriel Jesus's um, development, and you're going to starve him of a bit more game time. So what do you what do you do? Like what what age do you go and sign a player at? Like really, they can only sort of to 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 not to avoid that thing of of stopping Jesus developing. You need to go and get someone who isn't very young. You need to go and get a striker of a similar age to Aguero, who's going to be happy yeah. coming off the bench for 10, 15, 20 we, minutes we had, a game. And it's, we had it's, the same conversation, sorry Marley, we had the same conversation last season, me and you, because we were discussing yeah. um, City buying another striker and you said the exact same thing. And it's obviously, it's it's like a mirror mirror image of the same conversation we had. I was talking about bringing someone young in and you said, well, that youngster isn't going to be happy to sit on the bench. City need to bring someone in yeah, who's a little bit a, a little bit more experienced that is going to be happy to be that bit part player. I don't know who's that who's got, who that's going to be. And sorry, just to go off subjects here, you know, I was talking about Gundogan and Rodri starting in midfield. Yeah, he's just Gundogan's just been only. yeah, just been tested positive for COVID. So yeah, Gundogan's not going to start tonight. <laughs> there you, go, you got your wish. Oh no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> never saying that again. Sorry, okay. On your own players, Matt. It's shocking. Oh fan. no, it's awful. <laughs> I've just seen, just literally just as I said. I've just seen you come up in front of me. Oh, God. No, but back to that subject. Anyway, yeah, we had that exact same conversation. I don't know who we could get that's going to be to be happy to be sitting on the bench to be a backup striker to Aguero and Jesus. I don't know if you've got any names there, Marley, in front of you. No, to be honest, I think well. if it's, it's similar with Spurs. Um, you know, Spurs can't sign a striker because they know they're going to be second choice to Harry Kane. So... It's slightly different with Spurs because they've only got one striker at the club, and they could go and sign a young, a young, promising striker and, and let him develop in the same sort of role as Jesus is for for City. But mm. when you've got City and you've got one guy at the start of his career and one guy coming towards the end, you know you're looking at players like you know like Fernando Llorente when he went to um, he went to was it. Uh, Spurs and, and Tot- then Tottenham has been. Where yeah. else did he go? He was somewhere else. As well, um, I can't remember where it was now. Well, didn't he go back to Europe? Did he not go to Spurs twice? Did he sign on twice? I can't remember. But basically, it was an old, older guy who's happy to come on when the game's being chased or when the game's over, um, mm. as a bit of height and a bit of like sort of experience to sort of see out a game kind of thing. And it's yeah. like mm. those types of players aren't available um, because. They're either happy at their club because they're playing or they're sort of not good enough to do it anymore. Like Lorente, when he went to Spurs, wasn't that good a player. So it's kind of like, it's just, it's a hard situation for Man City because they could go out and buy, they could go out and buy Erling Haaland next season. I'd love that. Still, I mean, like, was... it's, it's, it's just one of them things where you have to make a decision. I think Haaland would probably come in if Aguero uh, left or yeah. you know retired or something like that. So you, you couldn't have both of them in the same squad. Mm-hmm. No, you couldn't. I don't think you could have Haaland and Aguero in the same squad. There was one player that Spurs were linked link with recently called Baz Dost. I think um, I think he's at Frankfurt at the moment, and obviously Dutch centre forward. He he's, couldn't he's play a big City's lad. Way, 
Imagine, no, I was, was going to say no he could not, he could not, he, he could not go into Guardiola's team because he's just the, the complete anti-Guardiola style of football. It's just lump it into him in the box. But what City do tend to do a lot. He'd be amazing for Burnley, though. Oh yeah, it'd be absolutely fantastic. He'd <laughs> fit right in he's, with them. He's, he's Sean Dyche has got framed pictures of Baz Dost on, <laughs> on his walls. Honestly, we do spam a lot of crosses though, Marley. I've seen that with us, and it, it does frustrate me quite a lot. We do sort of, obviously, with the overlapping. Wing backs, we do spam a lot of crosses, and I miss the days of Edin Jacko when he was there, when he could just uh, get his toe on the end of him or his head on the end of him. We don't have yeah. that threat coming from anywhere else. We play one style of football, and teams know the way, know the way we're going to play. We're going to play the ball across the box and stuff like that. Sometimes I know I might sound like a spoiled kid here. We've been blessed under the fantastic footballer Pep Guardiola for a few seasons now, but sometimes. I'd just like to see us have that plan B, have that mm-hmm. sort of unexpected sort of like way of playing if it's backs against the wall, if we're chasing the game. You heard it here first. Manchester City fans want Sam Allardyce in the dugout oh, for oh next God, season. No. It's official. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to have to park the Manchester City chat for just one second because we need to give a little bit of attention to Wolves because there are two teams playing tonight. Yeah. And I, I mean, from the outside, I look in at Wolves and go, I'd be slightly concerned as a Wolves fan with the players that that team has lost with Diego Jota leaving for Liverpool over the weekend, uh, Doherty leaving in the summer to go to Spurs. But there doesn't seem to be that fear because the recruitment's so good at Wolves. You kind of have faith that they're going to bring in the new blood to replace them and kind of just keep that machine ticking over, Marley. Yeah, um, I think Wolves' uh, recruitment has been obvious and impressive if you if you're Portuguese and a footballer they will sign you they will find you they will hunt you down <laughs> and they will find you uh, and sign you sorry um but it's weird isn't it like we now live in a world where wolves have uh, lo- wolves have lost their right back to spurs and then they're going to sign barcelona's starting right back from last season and then barcelona are looking at norwich's right back to replace him because apparently Barcelona are looking at Max Ahrens and Wolves are very close to signing a Nelson Semedo from, from Barcelona, which would replace Doherty for, I think it's like 30 million quid or something. So there's mm. clearly like a, a very um, tried and tested transfer policy at Wolves and they know that if they lose someone, they can replace them. Um and they're quite happy to sort of wheel and deal and get get younger guys in who can who can go on. And when you're getting forty million for for Jota, who wasn't even in the starting eleven most most weeks last season, and scored what a few goals, five or six goals or something like that, he's it's it's incredible business. So it allows you to go and reinvest in the squad and and get more players in. And I think Wolves will be probably better than they were last season. Um, for me, I think they don't have the Europa League um, schedule dragging them down a little bit, even though they coped with it brilliantly. You've got to sort of assume that without, even though they did really well last season with playing two games a week, if if they're if you're starting to play two games a week towards the end of the season, you know Wolves can do it. You know they can they can go deep in 
into the season with with not losing you know too much sort of energy and running out of steam like like Leicester did last season. I mean, if you, we talked about Leicester before dropping off after Christmas. They were playing once a week after Christmas and they just ran out of steam. Wolves didn't last season, so when you take out half of them fixtures, you've got to look at Wolves and say they're going to be a test for everyone every week because they've got six days off between every game pretty much to uh, to rest and to to plan for for the opposition. So. Um, I think Wolves will still be a threat. I still think anytime you've got Jimenez up front, you, you're very likely to score goals because he's absolutely mint. Um, mm. And yeah, fair play to Wolves. I, I can genuinely see them getting a result at Man City tonight. Um, I was looking at the, the odds before. I think they're 5-1 to one to win. And that's, I think that's, wow. that's a huge price for a team that beat Man City twice last season in the league. Literally did the double over them at home having played a game more already than Man City. We talked about before, you know, people getting caught cold on the first game of the season. It's it's a huge chance this for Wolves tonight. I, I think um, if you're going to beat Man City, it's going to be when they haven't quite done the business in the transfer window that they want to do. They're a little bit, you know, um, still trying to sort out the squad and get settled. And it's it's going to be when you have 90 minutes more in the, in the tank than them. So... Now I've said that, City will win 4-0. Oh, well, well, I think I think uh, Wolves are a bad shout for tonight. You've already predicted it, Marley. Um, what, are you, what are you looking at, Matt? I mean, very quickly, what's your prediction? How's it going to go tonight, City's first game back in anger? If we go with our best defence, I can see us winning um, 2-1. Right, that is it for the previews. Yeah. We're going to be back in a moment. We're going to focus on a different Premier League team as we are doing every single day on the podcast. This week, it is Crystal Palace, and we're going to be speaking to Jay from Palace Podcast, The Eagles Beak. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Facebook. Search Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. It is time for our Floodlight Focus feature as we take a look at a different Premier League club every single day and try and get a bit of intel from what's going on inside the stadium. Today, we've got the Eagles Beak and Jay from the Eagles Beak, the Crystal Palace podcast, joining us. How are you doing, Jay? I'm very good, thank you. How about you guys? Yeah, not too bad, Tart. Now, I have to say, I'm a little bit disappointed to be speaking to you today after this weekend because 3-1 win over Manchester United and it feels like there's a little bit of positivity around Palace right now. It seems, And it's been a while since that's been the case. Yeah, you're quite right. And you never guessed it after the summer. I say summer. It's been it, whenever that was. I'm not sure whether it was a summer or not, but the close season, uh, as you would normally call it. Um, yeah, it's been um, it's been a great start to the season. Uh, there's been a lot of negativity around the club, just around um, Roy Hodgson staying, should he go? A lot of fans were unhappy, um, our activity in the transfer window. But actually, our activity this time around has been has been very interesting because it's it's been, uh, well, it's been no secret that the, the squad is ageing. Um, I don't know how many times mm. I heard that last season, that the, the starting eleven was the oldest in the Premier League. But... Um, yeah, there, there's actually activity uh, on that front to actually um, change that and bring that down. Um, and obviously, you know, the result of the weekend was fantastic. Nobody gave us a hope, which I, I think actually suits Palace more than, you know, when we're favoured to win a game. Um, and we were good value for the win. You know, you, you can argue that the penalty um, perhaps was, was harsh, but I think we did enough in the game to actually take all three points. Part of that 
youthful change, I guess, is Eze, who signed in the summer from Crystal Palace, who was a player that I was very jealous that you got hold of because I was hoping he'd be on the way to the other side of London, coming to West Ham. But he ended up with you. He played at the weekend. Was he impressive at the weekend? He came on. He had a 10, 15-minute cameo, uh, was involved in the third goal. Um, and, yeah, he was impressive because... You know, there's been much said about him playing for QPR in the Championship, but we all know the Championship is a completely different kettle of fish and the step up to the Premier League is relatively uh, much harder. But he, he came on, um, had a 10-15 minute cameo, he held the ball, uh, run with the ball and it's exactly what we needed at that point in the game. You know, a bit of fresh legs and a bit of somebody to actually, you know, retain the ball and, and do what we're hoping to see from him as, as the season progresses. With him coming in? Obviously, a lot of the talk, as it is most seasons at Crystal Palace, was about the future of Wilf Zahar. But it seems to me, again, looking from the outside in, that there's more of a suggestion he might stay at Crystal Palace this year. Not least because he seems happy at the club and seems to want to stay there, but because the interest in him from the likes of Arsenal and Everton has cooled a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he started the season fantastically well. He had a brilliant pre-season. He, he, he pretty much played every minute of every game in pre-season for us and scored uh, in three of the four games that we had. So we're looking at a, a Wilf um, of, of of years ago, you know, somebody who is actually showing... I mean, last season, let's, you know, I have to admit, he didn't have a great season. And that maybe mm. uh, may have been good for us because, you know, clubs didn't want to shell out the money for him that actually we were asking. Now, the, you know, you get a lot of fans saying, well, you should let him go to a club that he wants to go to. You know, Wolf is worth a lot of money. We're never going to get the money that he's worth for us, you know, as a, as a club. You know, he's such a he's such a pivotal player in this Palace side. Um, and I think the biggest concern is that he started the season so well that it's actually going to make clubs think, actually, he, he is the real deal. We, we you know, we may actually go in for another bid before the, the transfer window ends. But on the flip side, you know, Palace have actually made moves in the market themselves, like you say, bringing the likes of Eze in, bringing... Um, there's rumours of us being interested in other players before the window ends. And if, you know, perhaps that is a view to A, bringing the average age down to the squad and B, trying to keep Wilf at the club. Because let's be honest, he's not getting any younger. If he doesn't go this summer or before the end of this window, then the likelihood is that, you know, he's going to push on to the age mm. of 29. No club's probably going to, you know, make a make a look at him again in, in the future. So likely it is that he will be at the club for the rest of his career. And, you know, People will say that's you know that's not very good for his career and he's not being you know, not very positive outlook. I mean the same was said about Jack Grealish when he's just signed a five year deal at Villa. But you know, be fair to the guy. He's he's he said he's wanted to leave, but he's actually got on, knuckled down, and done what for the club that uh, you know what we hoped he would. And um, yeah, I'm just hoping that this this great start to the season he's had doesn't actually work 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 away its way around to him leaving the club because I think. We've got a very exciting season ahead of us with this core group of players if he stays. Talking about bringing the average age down, I was talking, Marley said before the podcast, we were talking about Crystal Palace. And what was the phrase you used to describe the age of Roy Hodgson, Marley? Uh, I think I, I think I said, was he was he older or younger than the Sistine Chapel? <laughs> <laughs> just, oh. That's the thing with me. I just see him every week and I think, bloody hell. Like he's really, really old, and I just think at some point it's gonna sort of reflect in the way the way his teams play. Like last season when they lost, was it eight games without a win or something like that? I thought right, that's that's him done now. I think they'll they might make a change in the summer. But mm. how long do you think he's he's sort of got to to persuade 
the sort of board and the fans that he can get more out of this Palace side? I think I think this season with the signings we've made, you know, the the youngsters that we've brought in. I mean, there's been some high-profile signings like Eze, Nathan Ferguson as well, coming into the club. Um, more to come from what we're hearing, but actually there's been three or four under the radar youth signings from uh, elsewhere, which which are very uh, promising signings. You know, with Tyrant Mitchell coming into the side as well, uh, very highly rated fullback. Uh, look, didn't look out of place against United at the weekend. Let's be honest, another another Aaron Wan-Bissaka in the making. I think there. Um, I think this season's going to be pivotal for him. I, I get the impression that this might be the final season for him. Um, depending on how the season goes, uh, you know, Palace have, you know, made the right calls of management in the past. I mean, you could argue that the Frank de Boer one didn't get um, the time he perhaps deserved, but I think they made the right decision at a time for the club. Um, and mm. bringing in Roy was a absolute masterstroke. Masterstroke. He's from Croydon. He's hugely, hugely experienced across Europe. You know, I think that goes under the radar a lot as well, um, just in terms of actually what is accomplished in the game and where where he's where, where he's managed, which teams he's managed. He obviously had that ill-fated stint at Liverpool, which I think I think goes against him an awful lot, to be honest. Um, and I think you know when you look at the clubs that he's managed, West Brom, Fulham, you know those sorts of clubs have, have fitted perfectly for both the club and Roy Hodgson, and, and the same is happening at Palace. You know, he just fits perfectly. Um, Going back to the question, I think, yeah, I, th- I get the feeling this season will be his last. But the biggest problem is, who do you bring in, you know, to, to take mm-hmm. over? I think that's I think that's the, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? I mean, you know, clubs have made changes and they've not worked out. And, you know, this is our eighth consecutive season in the Premier League. So, you know, you don't want to put anything at risk. You know, Roy was always going to be a solid... Uh, appointment because you know he he's been around the block he knows the deal you know sometimes it's not great football to watch but actually you know he's kept us in the Premier League he's he's turned us around from that that ill-fated appointment of Frank de Boer he's got us back on a straight and narrow and we're actually um, you know a seasoned Premier League side and with these new cha- you know with these new additions in the summer which are which are exciting um, you know there, there seems to be a new approach to the future whether that includes Roy being at the club I, I mean I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they pinpoint somebody to come in to take over from Roy and he goes upstairs in some capacity I won't want to lose him from the club because I think he's done so much over this this period of time that he's been you know, been manager How does the ambition look from a playing point of view then because we obviously know the type of football that Roy Hodgson has delivered at Crystal Palace and we also know when Crystal Palace try to change that style of football with De Boer, it wasn't massively successful. So when the next manager comes in, do you want to see maybe a change to like a more expansive, more attacking style? Or is it all about staying in the Premier League and consolidating and making that that, that, that spell 12 years or 13 years or 15 years? I think you've got to be careful, haven't you? Because, I mean, look at look at what's happened to the likes of Stoke, Sunderland, you know, clubs in, in a similar position to Palace that were in the Premier League for quite a long time and it just went horribly wrong, um, you know, after making a few changes and, and trying to strive for that next level. You know, we know our place in the Premier League. You know, we know what where we are. You know, it would be everyone at a club like Palace wants to do a Leicester, as it's called. Um, you know, that would be the ultimate dream. Mm. But, you know, you've got to be realistic. You know, we're, we're in the Premier League. We're competing week in, week out with the top players in the world. You know, you can't disguise the fact that it, it is probably the the most exciting uh, division in the world when it when it comes to the players that we attract and the players we face every week. And 
I, I often look at it and think, you know, this is this is my palace. <laughs> this is my palace going up against United away at the weekend. And, you know, we've done it for eight seasons in a row. And you look back and I know fans say you can't keep carping back to things like that. But, you know, we were 24 hours from going out of business. Um, and, and from that moment onwards, it's only got better. You know, we've, we're now sitting here in our eighth consecutive season in the Premier League and we'd never envisaged that. But you're right in that you want to make that next step. I want Palace to, you know, perhaps change their style of football. But, you know, sometimes you kind of think, you know, how far do you want to stretch? It'd be nice to challenge for, you know, to compete in the Europa League like Wolves have done um, and that kind of thing. But I, I think, you know, it's small steps. You know, that, that next small step has been changing the age, average age of the squad, bringing in players that actually we used to go for. We used to drop down to Championship and look at bringing in players like that. And for the most part, you know, we, we've we done all right. You know, we, we have quite often gone for Premier League players from other clubs that have got Premier League experience, which is why our age, average age has gone up. You know, look at the squad and they've all played in the Premier League elsewhere. Um, and that's kind of been the, the tactic over over X amount of years to get us to this point. But actually now it's quite refreshing to look at the fact that actually we are going to play some more exciting football, you know, with the likes of Wilf, Andros, uh, Jordan Ayew, Eze coming in as well. You know, you've got that excitement going forward. And Roy always bases his side on a you know staunch defence, hard to break down. So, you know, the longer a game goes on, um, that we don't concede a goal. You know, we've got the ammunition to, you know, perhaps, you know, nick that goal. So, yeah, it would be nice to play, you know, more expansive football. But, you know, I, I say it's small steps. You know, the, the first step is changing the average age of the squad, bringing in some exciting players. And I think, you know, that gives Roy more options to actually be expansive if we want to be. Jay, top to talk to you. Good luck for the season. Using the rules of playground football, because you've beaten Manchester United, they have top four aspirations. It clearly means Crystal Palace are now going to finish top four. So enjoy your <laughs> European adventure next year. Uh, Brilliant. If, if, Let's go for it. If we've got any Palace fans listening who fancy checking out more from the Eagles Beak, or non-Palace fans for that matter, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, head over to the website, it's eaglesbeak.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at the Eagles Beak. Top man, Jay, speak again soon. Cheers, guys. That's about it for today's Football Social Daily. If you are a podcaster or a blogger or a fanzine writer or whoever and you want to come on and talk about your club as part of our Floodlight Focus feature, then you can get involved. Just get in touch via the website sports-social.co.uk or you can find us on social media. All the channels are there as well. That is it for today's podcast. Matt, thank you very much. Marley, thank you. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast because there'll be a fresh one for you tomorrow. See you then. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at The Sports Social. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.